0: Thank you for joining us on the Hope Church LV podcast. We're excited you came across this message. You're joining us during a foundational series in the life of our church that we're calling This Is Hope. During this series, we're asking two questions. Who are we? And because of who we are, what do we do? If you're joining us here for the very first time, I wanna be the first to say welcome to Hope Church. Go ahead and open up the Hope Church LV app or visit hopechurchlv.com and click connect with us and fill out a short digital connection card. If you haven't done so already, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast to help spread hope to the world. Once again, thanks for joining us today.
1: Identity is the fact of being who or what a person is.
0: This is Hope is an identity declaration of who we are and what we do.
1: So, who are we and what do we do? At Hope Church,
2: we magnify Christ above everything.
1: We experience life change in community. We love our city. We multiply churches. We engage the nations. We live generously.
2: This is Hope.
0: All right, Hope Church family, good morning. How we feeling this morning? All right. First Timothy chapter 6. Go and open your Bibles or your apps to First Timothy chapter 6. As you're turning there, my name is Scott. I have the privilege of being one of the pastors here at Hope. Really excited about jumping in. And, and I want to start by talking about a a survey that I read this week that that I honestly didn't really know how to feel about, and you can maybe help me out. It's a 2019 survey, and it took 4,000 kids and teenagers, ages six through 17. And and they took, in 2019, they asked 4,000 six through 17-year-olds this age-old classic question, what do you wanna be when you grow up? Now, I don't know if, if you successfully became what you wanted to be when, when you said you, and when you were six, like, here's what I want to be when I grow up. And if you've successfully became that, I, I did not. I, I wanted to play football for the Dallas Cowboys. Um, I don't know why you guys are laughing about that. <laughs> Uh, I, I did not successfully complete that, but like my sister, uh, she, from like the moment she could speak, she wanted to be a teacher, and so now she has been, for 15 years or so, a teacher, and so maybe you are exactly what you wanted to be, but these 4,000 kids were asked this question, what do you want to be, and and you would expect the, the classic pro athlete, doctor, lawyer, construction worker, uh, whatever, you, astronaut, like these are the classic answers, but that was not the number one answer in 2019. See, in 2019, the number one answer with these 4,000 kids and teenagers of what do you wanna be when you grow up? It was a YouTube influencer. <sighs> Help us, Jesus. <laughs> like this is, this is the future of our world. <laughs> I, wanna, I wanna make YouTube videos and get paid for it. But if you think about it, it's, it's actually not that surprising. I mean, we live in a world of convenience that really is centered on us. Everything is catered to us. In fact, uh, the the word selfie was a word most of us, unless you are Gen Z, you didn't even grow up having a a definition of that because the word didn't exist. Taking pictures of only yourself it was added to the dictionary in 2013. In fact, Generation Z, which is which is a lot of some of you young kids and students and college students, my kids are Gen Z. They have actually become known as the the selfie generation. They are growing up. No wonder they want to be YouTube influencers. They are growing up in a world that basically has been catered to them. Even us, we enjoy the fruits of this. Have you ever? Seen on Instagram or Facebook a targeted ad specifically for you? You're like, how did they know that? You ever been in there where you're like talking to your friends about wanting to pick up some new brown shoes, and then coincidentally, a couple hours later, an ad for brown shoes pops up? It's like, this is freaky. Everything about my life, I can get whatever I want to my house, and you can too, in, in a matter of hours, or maybe if you have to really wait a couple days right to my front door. Listen, I, I like you, I understand this world that's constantly showing us ourselves and, and, and elevating ourselves is the ultimate thing, and, and, and I, I love it, <laughs> and you probably do too, like there's part of us that like loves the convenience, but if you're honest, there's also a part of me that realizes I don't think this is probably good long-term like for my soul, which is where I wanna start. I wanna ask a question that I think we should be asking some form of this question as Jesus followers. Here it is. How do we resist the consistent pull towards self in a world that constantly promotes it as ultimate? I know that's pretty deep for 9 o'clock in the morning, so I'm going to say it again. How do we, this is something we should be asking in this sphere, how do we resist this consistent pull towards me, myself, and I, self, in this world that constantly promotes it as the ultimate thing? I believe one expression, one way to resist is what we are going to be talking about today. It's not the only way, but I believe it is a surefire way to unpack what we can do to to resist this pull towards self. And it is the word generosity. Now, I don't know what you think of when you see that word. Maybe there's a lot of emotions that pop up in a church setting specifically, maybe some things pop up, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But generosity is a way to resist this consistent and constant pull towards self when we live lives of generosity. If you're just now joining us, In this series, we're finishing, as Pastor Teddy said, a foundational series here in the life of our church that we have been now in for six weeks called This Is Hope, who we are and what we do. And just for good measure, to remind you, if you've been here for all six weeks, I'm so proud of you, but maybe you're here for the first time, we do not desire to fill this room up at the 8.30 service every week with a bunch of people that are merely spectating the activity of God that some passionate people are, are participating in. No, no, we want this whole room full of people passionate about Jesus and what he desires to do through their lives and, and not spectating, but participating in what he has for you. And so we said, this is who we are and this is what we do. And just a reminder, the we is all of us. It's not just a few of us. It's not just the staff or the volunteers. It's, it's If you're a follower of Jesus at this church, the we is you. And so today we are going to finish this, but just to, to kind of cap it off, I want to go through each of the five weeks that we've already covered. And just for, for classroom participation, I want us all to say each of these weeks out loud with some passion. If this is who we are and what we do, we're going to put it on the screen. We do these things, and I want you to say them out loud with me. Here's the first one. Don't leave me hanging up here. That would be really embarrassing. Here we go. We magnify Christ above everything. Amen. Second week, we talked about this idea. We experience life change in community. Sounds so good. Week three, we talked about the fact that we love our city. Week four, Pastor Trenton preached on this idea that we multiply churches. And last week, Pastor Tom, with all the passion in the world, because he's so passionate about it, as we all should be, talked about the reality that we engage the nation's. And then last but not least, what we talk about today is just as much passion as you did the other five. We live generously. Again, I don't know how that lands on you. Maybe you were really fired up about the first five, but you don't know about that last one. I'm so thankful for the foundation that has been laid here at this church for over 20 years. Our founding pastors really laid the foundation of generosity within the fabric of our church. We have been talking about this unashamedly for over 20 years. In fact, it's a, it's a value of our church. We have a value here of, of generous living. Simply put, it says this, we live life ready to make a difference in the lives of others. That's generous living. We live life ready to make a difference in the lives of others. This is not a new or novel idea at Hope, and we do not believe it's a small thing. This is a massive deal. Why? Because we live in a world that is constantly trying to make you only think about yourself and me too. So generosity, looking for opportunities to make a difference in the lives of others is a big deal. And so why does this matter? You've already heard a little bit, but I wanna put a few more phrases on the screen to hopefully let you lean into why this is a big deal. Here is the first phrase. Everything you have is not really yours. A couple people said amen to that, but I, I, I think there's probably some people in the room that are like, listen, bro, you don't even know me. I hope in the next 25 minutes or so to convince you from the word of God that that statement is very, very true. Everything you and I have is not really yours, but everything you have really matters. So we're going somewhere with this. Everything you have is not really yours, but everything you have really matters. Why? Because God desires to use everything you have for a really big mission. Everything you have is not really yours, but everything you have really matters. Why? Because God desires to use everything you have for a really big mission. And for the past five weeks, we've been talking about several aspects of that mission. We've been talking about several areas where we believe this is the mission of God for this church. And maybe today you would say, man, for the last five weeks, I've been leaning in. Like, I'm like, yes, Yes, and amen to, to magnifying Christ above everything a community and city and, and engaging the nations and multiplying the churches. Yes, yes, yes. Well, guess how God, in His sovereignty, has chosen to fuel that activity? You and I living generously. So if you're here today and you're like, I've been in, I've been leaning in, yes and amen. I hope you yes and amen to the the plan God has to fuel that very activity. So here's what today looks like. Out of First Timothy chapter six, I wanna lay what what I'm calling some some generosity groundwork. We're gonna look at the idea of biblical generosity from this passage in 1 Timothy 6 and, and go verse by verse. And then hopefully I wanna end with three really practical ways you and I live generously. So if you're ready to go, say, let's go. let's go. Let's go. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 through 19. The words will be on the screen, but I do encourage you, bring your Bible to Hope Church. We're always gonna be in it. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. Here's what it says. As for the rich... In this present age, charge them not to be haughty nor set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. There it is. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, and to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. This is the word of God. The next few moments, I want to lay a, a generosity groundwork for a few minutes and, and talk through 1 Timothy chapter 6. And it starts there in, in verse 17: As for the rich in this present age. Whew, some of you thought, praise God, I'm about to check my email, sigh of relief. I'm not rich. So I can just tune out for a minute. But, Scott, you go get those greedy rich people. But I'm going to tune out because I'm not quite there yet. Let's pause for a moment because I want to try to convince you for just a sec that all of us, every single person in this room is actually far richer than you realize. Some of you have heard some of these statistics, but just for the sake of context, did you know that if you look at somebody making $25,000 a year, which is about $12 an hour. You can go get a job pretty easily making about $12 an hour. If you, you do that over 40 hours a week, you make about $25,000 a year. Did you know that if you make $25,000 a year, you would actually be richer than 98% of the world's population today? We just crossed a huge Threshold in our world, 8 billion people. Some of you guys saw that this week. There's 8 billion people on the planet. And if you make $25,000, you're actually in the top 2% of the 8 billion on the planet. I would say that's pretty rich. Let's up the game a little bit. If you took the, the median household income in the United States of America... So you and your spouse or, or, or you and your kid, however you do your household income, $50,000 is the median household income in the U.S. If you make $50,000, you're not in the top 2%. You're actually in the top 0.3% of the world's wealthiest people. If you make what most people, the median people make in the United States of America, you are richer than 99.7% of the world's population. So when Paul says to Timothy and to us, instruct the rich, we should all listen because we are all far richer than we realize next verse, it says, charge them not to be haughty. That means prideful, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches. I I don't need to talk about the uncertainty of riches right here in our culture because we're feeling it. Every time you go to the pump, right, you're like, man, these riches are uncertain. How much is this going to climb up before it stops? Thanksgiving is going to cost a little more than it did last year, a lot of more than it did last year. Because the riches that we think we have a hold of are so uncertain, so Paul says to us and to them, set your hope on God who, next verse, richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Remember, this is is the reality that everything you have is not really yours. It's God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Psalm 24, verse one is one of my favorite verses in all the scripture. It says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. There's a a flex from God. (laughs) Everything on planet earth and the earth itself, that's mine. But God is so good to us that he actually gives some of what's his to us, not begrudgingly, but to enjoy to take care of, to manage what really belongs to him. I've seen this principle kind of in a funny way with with kids. Some of you who have toddlers, you understand this. Praise God. My wife and I are out of the toddler stage, but you know a toddler, one of their first words is a four-letter word that starts with M. What is it? Mine. Mine. These beautiful little children, the the fury of hell comes out of them when somebody takes their toy. Mine. Like, whoa. Whoa. But you know, they don't grow out of that when they grow out of being toddlers. I got some, some non-toddlers in my house that may or may not be in this service. <laughs> they like that word. Some teenager and a, and a preteen. And I, I've seen this scene when I'm in the room and maybe getting after him for something. And, and they say, dad, I'm just, can you just please get out of my room? Whoa! I know this is petty. <laughs> Your room, some of you parents are like, yes, preach it. (laughs) Did did you pay the mortgage on this? (laughs) Listen, you don't even know what a mortgage is. This is my room. And again, we we get that as parents, but if I'm honest in my flesh, I don't grow out of that after after I'm out of teenage years. Even right now in my flesh, there's some things that I look at my life and I think these are mine. And my father in heaven is saying, those aren't yours. This is everything you have I've given you to enjoy. And he encourages us towards generosity in verse 18. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. He he turns it from the uncertainty of riches with, with how we should treat these riches. This word generous right here is a good word. It's actually three words in the original language. I'll put them on the screen. Good, great, give, Paul was like, I don't know how to say this in one Greek word, so good, great, give. It's like mega generosity, a lot give. And don't hear that and think the amount of money. He's saying a heart attitude that is just overflowing with generosity because of all that God has given to us. He's basically saying to them and to us, don't be stingy in heart with the things that don't even belong to you in the first place. I just wanna pause for just a moment call out maybe a, an elephant in the room today because I've heard this phrase and maybe you have too. Man, why's the church always got to talk about money? Anybody said that? I've said that before. Ah, man, when my heart was was not really in this stuff and I wasn't really discipled in some of these things, like my, why is the church always got to talk about money? Well, let me try to answer that question and demystify it for us for a moment. Did you know that Jesus, when he lived on this earth, he told He told stories in what's called parables. They're these little amazing kingdom stories. And he told 38 parables in his life. And and 16 of those parables actually had to deal with money in some form or fashion. Imagine if if we got all the text messages you sent this week. And we put them on an Excel spreadsheet and kind of saw what topics. and, And out of almost half of the text messages you sent were on a particular topic. It would be safe to say you probably care about that topic. So Jesus talked a lot about money. We can't get away from that. In the Bible, there's over 500 verses or so on, on prayer. Prayer is an amazing thing. We should talk about prayer in church. 500 verses in the Bible about it. Another 500 verses on the topic of faith, having faith. We, we should talk about that. But did you know, there are over 2,000 verses in the Bible in the, around the topic of money. So if the Bible always talks about money, And we as a church, and we will be a church that's always talking about the Bible, a responsible way to handle preaching the Bible is to regularly talk about what he talks about, which is money. And I understand here today, maybe you've honestly, you've had some bad experiences with this. Churches abusing this topic, talking about it over more than they should talk about it, emphasizing it above everything else. Maybe you've just had some bad experiences. I just, God put it on my heart this week to maybe encourage you with this reality. Don't let the bad things you've seen churches do distract you from the biblical things you're called to do as a Jesus follower. Some of us let that happen. We've been hurt, like really hurt. And so we let that cloud our vision of what the word of God says to us as Jesus. So you can sub out, don't let the bad things you've seen Christians do or people do or, or people in authority do. But don't let those things distract you from the biblical things that are clear as day in scripture. So at hope. Like I said, I'm so grateful for the 20 years of a foundation that's been laid. We've had three simple guiding principles of stewardship that are just so helpful. In everything we look at with stewardship, here's how we filter those things. Number one, everything I have belongs to him. We've already talked about that, right? Everything you have belongs to him. Number two, he's entrusted some to me. Everything I have belongs to him. He's entrusted some to me, but number three, what he's entrusted to me, I am to use for him. What if we looked at every element of our lives, not just financially, but every moment of our lives, and we're going to talk about that in just a moment, through these guiding principles. Everything belongs to him, he's entrusted some to me, and what he's entrusted to me, I am to use for him. So that's the, the generosity groundwork for our time together this morning now I want to give us three practical applications for how we live generously. Here is the first one. We live generously by utilizing our time for God's kingdom. Our time for God's kingdom. We we looked at 1 Timothy 6, but over these next uh, three practical applications, I want to I want to show you from different places in scripture that this is a New Testament biblical idea of generosity. So Ephesians chapter five, verse 15. Some of you have heard this verse. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Remember, everything I have belongs to him. That includes my time. (laughs) Every moment You live today and tomorrow and next week and next year and next decade belongs to him. It is borrowed time from the Lord, but he's entrusted it to you. So Ephesians is reminding us here that we should be making the best use of our time. Our time is not our own. And for really five weeks, we've been talking about amazing ways to utilize your time for the kingdom of God. As we magnify Christ above everything, we spend time together as a church magnifying Christ or in time alone with God, you you spend time spending time in God's word and there's time spent magnifying Christ or, or, or living life in community or loving our city or engaging the nations or multiplying churches. We spend time doing these things. But today, I wanna highlight one very simple and practical need that I believe some of us should start giving our time to because the the statistics of our church would show most of us do not give our time in this way. And here it is, serving your church. Listen, not in a condemning way, hear my heart, but I just want you to think about your life. Right now, do you use the gifts that God has given you in any way, shape, or form to serve this church? I know you're here each week benefiting from the, the blessing of this ministry, but is there any time that you spend giving back and serving the body of Christ called Hope Church? The Bible has a lot to say about this. My favorite passage is, is so graphic and it's too much to put on the screen, but you can go read it later. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul, the apostle was talking about this idea of, of serving in the body of Christ working together. And he actually compares it to our physical bodies. It's such a vivid picture. He says, every part of the physical body matters. If any of it sits on the sidelines, there's going to be some, some issues. So my, my nose and my ears and my fingers and my toes, like everything in our physical body matters. And Paul is saying to them and to us, every part of the body of Hope Church matters. When one part of the body sits on the sidelines and thinks, I don't think they need me, the body suffers. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, another verse that talks about this. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. It's constantly showing, hey, you've been given gifts. You've been skilled at things. You've been, you've been given an opportunity here to, to serve one another. Galatians chapter 6, verse 10, another verse. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. See, that last line, we we don't talk about that much, but we should serve our city. We already talked about and love our city, but Paul is saying here to the Galatian church, your first priority should actually be the the local body, especially the household of faith. One way we express this generosity that we're talking about is by serving one another in this church. It says there as we have opportunity. Maybe you're here today and you said, well, I, I, I didn't know you had opportunity. Let me tell you with excitement. We have tons of opportunity. You're here today, and, and honestly, you're like, man, i just kind of been sitting and soaking and enjoying the benefits of this ministry, but I've never, I've never rolled up my sleeves and said, how can I help serve this body? Today is the day that maybe the Holy Spirit would prompt you to say, I want to get involved, because we have over 75 areas of ministry in this church that you can serve at. And I don't mean 75 spaces, 75 areas where we need tons of people that right now maybe sitting back and thinking, they got that taken care of. They don't need me. We need you. A, there's ministry to do, but also what God will do through you and in you as you live generously with your time in this way will change you. So after service, you might've saw it when you came in, we have kind of a ministry fair set up. All of our ministries are represented out here. No matter your season of life or your gifting or your passion or your time commitment that you can give, we have a place for you to serve. So we live generously by utilizing our time for God's kingdom. Here's the second one. We live generously by understanding our, our gifts and passions are to be used for God's glory and purposes. That's a whole mouthful. Let me say it again. We live generously by understanding our gifts and passions are to be used for God's glory and purposes. If you're a memorizer of scripture, I highly recommend you memorize 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 31, it's going to be on the screen. We're probably going to preach a one sermon or maybe a series on this idea because I'm so fired up about it, but we don't have time to really dive in. But here's what 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, it's a very important phrase. Whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. I love this because there's no exception clauses in that. Do all, if you're a follower of Jesus, we just were told by the word of God, everything you do, do it for the glory of God everything, the totality. I believe if we really got this, like if Scott Worthington and whoever you are really got this, it would change my life and it would change your, your family's life and, and our church's life and our city and our world. If, if followers of Jesus really got this idea that everything in their lives is for the blazing center of God's glory, no matter what it is that you do, I believe we would be changed. Colossians chapter 3 verse 17 says it very similarly. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So the easy question as we think about living generously with our gifts and passions is to ask the question of yourself, what do you do? And that's not a rhetorical question. I mean, really think about it. What, what do you do for a living? What do you do for hobbies, for passions, for, for things outside, extracurricular? Whatever you do... So I made a list of just some things that came to my mind. Do it unto the Lord. So today, if you're a student, go to school for the glory of God. I know you're like, that can't, that's not possible. It is possible. If you're a waitress, serve that food for the glory of God. If you're a business owner, work hard and grow your business as an entrepreneur for the glory of God. If you're a skateboarder, kick flip down that five stair for the glory of God. If you're a construction foreman, a single mom, a musician, someone in nursing school, a teacher, a personal trainer, I mean, come on, get fit for the glory of God. A chef, a golfer, a pastor, a real estate professional, a Las Vegas performer, fill in the blank, Hope Church, whatever you do, do it unto the Lord. You may be sitting in your cubicle tomorrow and say, what am I doing here? Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 just said, I don't know what you're doing physically, but you should be doing it for the glory of God. There should be a higher purpose to whatever it is you do. This is an expression of generosity. As you use your gifts and passions and do it unto God, there's going to be people that take notice around you. There's just a a higher calling to your job. Yeah, you get a paycheck, but like what if that was secondary to giving God his glory? People will take notice, and this is an expression of generosity. Here's the third and final practical way. We live generously by using our money for God's mission. Using our money for God's mission. We've already established the Bible has a lot to say about money. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, such a great passage of scripture, verses 7 through 8. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. The Bible is unashamed about talking about this idea. As Christians, we have been given finances and resources and our response to God's good gifts is to, to be generous with those things. This, this may be new. I understand for, for some of you who just joined the Hope Church family, this, this idea of biblical generosity with money may be new. And I'm excited next spring, we're gonna, we're gonna talk about in a series about this idea of biblical generosity, but I want you to hear today. It is an undeniable reality of the New Testament. That as the, the church of Jesus was, was given gifts of, of, of God in financial resources, they constantly and liberally and generously gave out of what God gave to them. I'll show you one example in Acts chapter 11. So the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. This idea of everyone according to their Ability. It, it's a word that means literally just as they had prospered. What is this talking about? As God gave them financial provision, they said, God, everything belongs to you. What do you want me to give back? And there was a constant conversation about generosity in real time. People asked the question, okay, 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 do I, do I have to give? I hope you've seen today, that's, that's the wrong question, <laughs> We already saw God loves a cheerful giver. We've already established everything you have belongs to him and he's entrusted some to you and what he's entrusted to you, you are to use for him. So as God blesses you with finances, are you being generous to give back to the Lord? My family and I just very personally, we we give through this local church. We believe our, our, our non-negotiable for me and my family is, is, is 10%. That's the non-negotiable. That's like starting place. Like, God, this is what we, you've given to us. And, and 10% belongs to you. Out of obedience through this local church, we give non-negotiable right off the top before we even think about it 10%. But like some of you, as my wife and I have grown in maturity in Christ, so has our gratitude and our generosity grown in Christ. So over the years, God in his grace has allowed us to to not just give 10%, but now to give more than 10%. And hear me, this is not a flex. Because when I first became a Christian, I thought this whole idea was crazy. Like, this has been a work, a testimony of God's grace in my own life. Like, when I I grew up in kind of a a scarcity mindset home, like, this is mine. I work for this. And so when I would hear, if I'm sitting in church and I hear somebody say, 10% off the top goes to the Lord, I'd be like, dude, are you crazy? And some of you are thinking that. That's okay. But here's what I learned, is I had a death grip on what I thought was mine that wasn't really mine. And God, in his kindness, over the first few years of me following him, slowly but surely let me unclench my fists to open up to him what belonged to him already. And I'm here to tell you now, after about 15 years of living life this kind of generous, by God's grace in my life, I'm seeing things that he could and has done in my life through my open hands, way more than I would have ever been able to experience with my closed death grip on what I thought was mine. Generosity will show you how much more you can trust God. So I'm praying and we have been praying. There's some of you right now who were like me with a death grip, like no way, this is mine. I worked for it that maybe today would be a day where God would start to help you open up your hands to trust him with what already belongs to him. One of my favorite stories in the New Testament about honestly radical generosity. Some of you just heard what I just thought and you thought that's radical generosity. That's not radical. I wanna show you radical. 2 Corinthians chapter eight. It's kind of a longer story, but I think it helps us understand this concept. This is Paul. He says, now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. He's saying, I want to tell you a story about this church in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles and they are very poor, remember that. But they are also filled with abundant joy, which is overflowed in rich generosity. See how radical this is already? They're very poor, but they have so much joy that it's actually overflowed in abundant generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, so, how many of us think I'm only gonna give what I can afford in my mind rather than trusting God? But far more. And they did it out of their own free will. Watch this next sentence. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. So very poor, but they still were. Uh, unbelievably, an abundant joy, richly generous. Not only, and they didn't do it begrudgingly like, okay, let's see how much we can give. They said, hey, Paul, we don't have a lot, but we love to see what God has done. And they begged us to get involved in what he's doing. This is what happens when God gets a hold of your heart and you see what he can do through your generosity. They even did more than we had hoped for, for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to. This is radical generosity, and I believe this is the overflow of Christ in us. Now, don't miss the fact that there was no dollar amount listed in that passage. (laughs) Right? It wasn't like, hey, I need to, at the end of this, tell you exactly how much they gave for tax purposes. (laughs) Right? They don't say anything about why because it's not about the amount you give God doesn't care necessarily about the amount you give because God's not broke. God's not going Oh my gosh. I hope to really listen to Scott this weekend so I could really get I get I can get to come up. God's not broke. God doesn't care about the amount you give, but he really cares about the heart in which you give or not give because it's his anyways. So this is. This is what we see in generosity. I want to show you as we close a a quick video that that shows this kind of generosity in our church in action. As we serve our church and use our gifts and passions and and, and give financially, I want to show you just a, a snapshot of what happens here at Hope because of those of you who give.
1: The life and ministry of Hope Church would be impossible without your generosity. Each weekend and all throughout the week, people generously give their time to ensure cars are parked, People are greeted and welcomed for the very first time, and families have a safe place to check in their children.
2: As you invest in Hope Church, you're investing in babies being held, loved, prayed over, and taught Jesus' love for them.
1: You are ensuring that kids have an opportunity to know that they can have a relationship with God and learn more about Him through His Word.
2: You are making it possible for teenagers, college students, and young adults to understand God's purpose for their lives and be equipped to live out their relationship with Jesus.
1: You are allowing adults to come to a place where they can worship, hear the Word of God taught, experience the presence of God together, and be sent out as missionaries to Las Vegas, the West, and the world.
2: Because of the time invested from volunteers, we have small group communities all over our city for every age and stage of people that call Hope Church home.
1: We are able to provide a space for those who are struggling with grief or addiction and many other difficult seasons in life.
2: And your generosity goes far beyond the walls of Hope Church.
1: Because you live generously, we can train and support foster parents for children in need.
2: We're able to provide ministries like the Lovewell Center to help serve the vulnerable population in our city through an empowering model that encourages earning and participation.
1: Because of your generosity, we get to walk with the victims of sex trafficking to see hope and healing in their lives.
2: And we're able to serve schools with resources in one of the largest districts in the country.
1: Throughout the West, in small towns and large cities that are desperate for Jesus, your generosity is helping to plant churches so they can hear the gospel.
2: Across the globe, we get to partner with and support missionaries who are literally taking the gospel to the hardest and most unreached parts of the world.
1: Every week, as you drop a gift in the tithe box, mail in or give online,
2: Your generosity is going around the globe to fuel God's mission and expand his kingdom.
0: At Hope Church,
2: we live generously.
0: And I just wanna say, if you are somebody here at Hope today that lives generously, thank you. Thank you for what you do in fueling God's activity. It's a beautiful thing and I'm sure you have reaped the benefits of it and seen God's work through your hands. But I want us to, to look real quickly at the reality that this story in 2 Corinthians is not just ancient history. Those things still happen. What was happening? Paul identified needs. A need arose within the community. And it created an opportunity for sacrificial generosity. The followers of Jesus there gave Sacrificially to meet some very tangible needs. And this weekend, we have an opportunity to do that. This weekend, as we end this series, talking about all the things we do, who we are, we are introducing what we're calling the This Is Hope Offering. Now, I'm not taking up an offering right now. Here's what I'm asking our whole church family to do. That includes me and my family, all of our pastors, our staff. This is who we are. And This is what we do. And so in this, as you leave today, I'm going to ask you to grab one of these brochures. And all I'm asking our church family to do over the next several weeks, this is going to be a, an offering. We're starting this weekend going all the way through the end of 2022, kind of a year-end gift. We're saying, God, this is who you this is who we are and this is what we do. I want us all to be asking this question. God, are you leading me to give? sacrificially to fuel your activity. I believe if we ask the Lord to speak to us and ask him, are you leading me? All the things that I yes and amen for for five weeks, are you leading me to give sacrificially to fuel your activity? And here's what I want you to hear me say. If you pray and you really seek the Lord and you don't hear anything, don't give. But... If you really feel like, man, I I feel like I I am to give this amount. Listen, over the next six weeks, as we end 2022, we are saying, God, we want to provide for very real needs. I want to put those needs on the screen. Our goal is to raise $250,000 to specifically target six things or seven things that we wanna do in Las Vegas, the West, and the world. You've heard us the last few weeks talking about how we love our city and and engage the nations and multiply churches. And and these are some ways that we're gonna take this money, whatever God provides, and we are going to fuel his activity in very specific ways. All this is laid out in this offering. And I just wanna encourage you. This is over and above your regular giving. This is something my wife and I are gonna pray about. Not, not, to, not to take what we already give from hope, but like over and above this, just like 2 Corinthians 8, a sacrificial gift to say, God, I wanna be involved with what you're doing. And if you're calling us to be involved in this, how much? So that's between you and the Lord. But I wanna close with a quote, Randy Alcorn. He's a guy who wrote a, a book. If you're kind of struggling with this whole idea of biblical generosity, he has a tiny little book you could read in one afternoon called The Treasure Principle. Incredible book. Unpacking a lot of what we just talked about today, but he says this in that book: the more you give, the more it comes back to you, because God is the greatest giver in the universe, and He won't let you outgive Him. Go ahead and try, and see what happens. So many of us, so many of us have that testimony. But I love what he said there. He's the most generous person in the universe. I. Love that phrase because it really is a picture of our generous God. Yes, because of the gifts he's given you, but ultimately because the person he gave. See, our God is generous because John three sixteen says, he so loved us that he gave his one and only son. Jesus Christ is the gift above all gifts. Listen, if you're here today and you do not know Jesus personally in a relationship, I don't want you to hear about your generosity yet. I want you first to be lavished with the generosity of our God. God in his generosity and grace provided a way for you and I to escape the sin and the the failures and the things that we so struggle with. So if you're here today and you do not know Jesus, first, before you talk about your generosity, hear about the generosity of Jesus who came to to live a perfect life and die on the cross for your sin and my sin and rise again on the third day to declare he is the king and the boss of all that exists. And that God today stands ready to to start a relationship with you, a friendship with you. Just a moment, our pastors are gonna be down here like we always are. If you're somebody here that you just wanna have a conversation about what it means to know Jesus, we would love to talk to you. But if you're here and you're a follower of Christ and you're a part of this Hope Church family, I want you during this next song to really ask the Lord what he might be speaking to you. I think for some, you realize you've been, you've been sitting and soaking. <laughs> that you're, you're not served, you're, you're just a beneficiary of the ministry here, but you've never given back and served our church. Maybe today your response is to go out to the ministry fair and to find out where it is that you need to plug in and serve here. For others of you, maybe you need to just talk to the Lord and and surrender the burden that that you've looked at your job as such a chore, but he's given you freedom today to hear that you're there for the glory of God. What if you started to do everything in your life for the blazing center of God's glory, no matter what it is you do? For others, you you know that you should be living generously as a regular part of this church financially, and you just haven't. Maybe today you would open up your hands and you would allow the Lord to show you how much more he can do with your open hands than he can with your closed fists. And for all of us, I want us to be praying over the next couple weeks. We're gonna continue to talk about the This Is Hope offering and ways that we can get involved. And over the next few weeks, we'll give you some more information, but maybe grab a brochure on your way out. Make it a matter of prayer. God, are you leading me to sacrificially give? And if he says yes, would we all be obedient to whatever he calls us to? Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for how you speak. Whatever it is, Holy Spirit, that you are doing in each and every person in this room, would we all be obedient to listen? We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and let's worship together today.